tonight for your honor and your glory. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 If you will, go ahead and take your Bibles. And last time we got done teaching through and preaching through the book of Galatians. If you'll take your Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians, please. The book of Ephesians. Book of Ephesians. And as we're uh, getting through this thing, as we're going through it, I'm going to try to do an introduction this evening and however long that takes. And if we'll get into some passages, uh, praise the Lord. And if we don't, praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. We're just going to just try to enjoy what the Lord has for us this evening. So obviously if you have your Bibles open and you look at the, the, the Bible here in the book of Ephesians, verse 1, and my Bible says Paul. Is that what yours says? Well, praise the Lord, we're on the same page. All right. So, literally on the same page. So, you know, Paul, he's the, he's the author, obviously, of this, and you know that we're all Bible believers. It's going to be kind of basic. Uh, I'm going to try to build on some things. So, it's, uh, Paul's the apostle of the, of the Gentiles, and he's the writer of Ephesians, just like he was the writer of Galatians, and uh, all the New Testament Bible, excuse me, all the New Testament uh, epistles that we get our doctrine from because we're Bible believers, Amen. But we don't cut the Bible up in so much that we can't get anything from any other book of the Bible. Praise the Lord, somebody agrees with me. Amen. Amen. I was going to agree with myself regardless, so... Amen. And so, it's interesting how the book of Romans was written. Uh, they say Romans was written, written to the head, and Galatians were written to the heart. And then we have the book of Ephesians, just chronologically how uh, the canon was put together by the translators... And it's interesting how Galatians, there was, I mean, there's some, some practical things in there that we made a practical application from, but it's mainly the doctrinal application of salvation, and it, it kept showing the, the differences between the law and salvations by grace through faith, and it was just mainly focused on correcting, if you will, that, uh, that issue in, the book, in, in Galatia. In Ephesians, it's totally different. It's totally different. Now that you've got a a groundwork, if you will, in the book of Galatians. Now Ephesians is written uh, for that higher ground. For you to go further, you can go forth, you can be like the Lord Jesus Christ, and you can go on. You can just uh, go on a little bit further when everybody else is falling and faltering and falling asleep and falling out. You can just take a few more steps. Does that make sense? Get up, boy. That, my son. Yeah. And uh, And so... With that understanding, I want you to turn to the book of Acts real quick, the book of Acts, thinking about it and thinking about how Paul came to this place of Ephesus and, and how it all came about, if you will. So Paul, in the book of Acts, had three great missionary trips, and on his second trip, he went by Ephesus, and you can look in, in chapter 18, verse 18, in Acts 18, 18. In Acts 18.18 it says, And Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while, and then took his leave of the brethren, and sailed thence to Syria, uh, Syra, and with him Priscilla and Aquila. You're familiar, you're familiar with those individuals out of the book of Romans and different things. And you have a Priscilla and Aquila having shorn his head in, in uh, Centuria, for he had a vow, and he came to Ephesus and left them there, Priscilla and Aquila, but he himself entered to the synagogue and he reasoned with the Jews. When they desired him to tarry a longer time with them, he consented not, but bade them farewell, saying, I must by all means keep this feast that cometh in Jerusalem, but I will return again unto you if God will. Amen. And he sailed from Ephesus. And when he had landed at 
uh, Caesarea and gone up and saluted the church, he went down to Antioch. And so Paul's first opportunity of being here, uh, he had Priscilla and Aquila with, with him, and we won't go into everything. It's an interesting read, uh, the rest of Acts 18 of Apollos and him being there and what Priscilla and Aquila went through and did and helped him and uh, ministered to him. There's a whole sermon in a man, that great man of statue, being able to listen to that man and his wife to correct him on some doctrine. Amen. That's a real man. That's a real man of attitude and the right of the Holy Spirit and being on him and using it and showing it. And, and in any way, we're not going to get into that before I go off on a tangent there. And so Paul left and he left some people there. Isn't it, isn't it good to know that the Lord leaves some people in places that you'll never go back to? Still doing the work if you never see Him on this side of glory. Still just staying by the stuff and still staying on the line. And some people will just die on that hill doing the best they can of serving the Lord, whether it be nobody else in the world know about it. They're just going to be doing the best they can. But I, I find that amazing because they didn't know if He was going to come back or not. Like, you left us here and we're just going to do our duty to try to minister to these people and help these people and, and start this church and we're going to try to do something here in this wicked and ungodly place. And we'll get into that in a moment. And so anyway, in Acts 19, look right there in the second time, and it says, And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coasts, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, and we won't go through the whole thing but you have, the, you have in chapter 19, and you have, he spends two years, look in verse 10, verse 10 of chapter 19. And this continued by the space of two years, that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of Lord Jesus Christ, both Jews and Greeks. So at Ephesus here, you have, you have a conglomeration, kind of like most of where it was in Asia Minor. You have a bunch of Jews, and you have, different, and you have a bunch of Greeks, and you have all this mixed mash of... of uh, religious stuff, we'll just say that. I'm trying to just, amen, amen, a bunch of garbage. And so you have all these different views and cultures and people and people groups and anybody familiar with what I'm talking about? You know, where you kind of grew up and how you did things and the traditions of men versus who knows what the truth is. It's your version of truth based on your, your, the person across the street, their, their version of truth, Amen. Praise the Lord, I've got neighbors just like that. Uh, mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Anyway, uh, if, we're not going to read it for the sake of time. If you just, just scan with me in verses 13 through 19, uh, they had, it's, a, it's a familiar passage because they had a bunch of guys thinking that they were somebody when they're, when they're nothing and they're going to cast out all these devils, right? And uh, the devil said, he said, uh, Jesus I know and Paul I know. I don't know you, I'm paraphrasing, right? And then he whooped a snot out of them. That's what they do in Alabama. They just whoop a snot out of you. And that's what they did there in Ephesus too. And in verse 17, and it says, And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus, and fear fell on them all. In the name of the Lord, Jesus was magnified. You know, you think about that. Paul was a somebody when he came to Ephesus. I think about this. It's at... I'm just give me just a hair of liberty, okay? You think I think of it like maybe when preacher goes off and he goes preaches somebody, because goes off and preaches somewhere. Because to us, he's a somebody. Three people think he's a somebody. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's a little better that time. 
and we love him and we care for him and we know that the, the hand of God is on him and his preaching and his ministering and how he conducts himself and his holy life. And I'm not putting him on a pedestal, I'm just being honest and real. Alright? And so they have this understanding of who Paul is and obviously everybody in the world didn't know who Paul was, but when this circumstance and these situations happened and took forth, they like... Apparently, this guy Paul that everybody claims is something actually does know a little something. The devils know who he is. I'm not saying the devils know who our pastor are, and I'm not going to ask that question to anybody, but I'm sure our pastor knows. And so, but the, not in verse 17, I want you to see that Paul wasn't magnified in all the things that happened, and all the things that transpired and took, but the Lord Jesus Christ was magnified. And it went on, and we want to look at it again for sake of time. In verse 21, a riot took place because the Lord was magnified in that place. The Lord Jesus Christ was being lifted up. The Lord Jesus Christ was being magnified. And adversity and a whole city rioted against it because Jesus Christ was being magnified. And not their, uh, and not their goddess of Diana. What I find amazing... <clears throat> is in this place, I've read a couple different things, and I'll give you some statistics, but uh, I'm not the author of it, of it being the truth, okay? Just take it for a grain of salt. So in Ephesus, what I have read was about this temple they had, well, it was one of the seven wonders of the world in that known time. Now, can you think about it just for a second? I've read that it held anywhere from twenty-five to 50,000 people. That's a lot of people. I think that the Super Bowl, uh, excuse me, the, um, the New Orleans Saints, that place is called, thank you, the Superdome. It had super in it. Um, it holds 60,000 people. A professional football stadium holds 60,000 people. In this facility, in AD 50-something, held between 25 and 50,000 people. And all the, the magnificence of it, of its pillars, and I'm sure the marble intricacy and the, the detail of work, you know, you wouldn't think they would hire Bob off the street to come do it. They would go get the best there was. Does that, does that make sense? I mean, I'm being kind of tongue-in-cheek there, but you wouldn't think it'd be a bunch of two-by-fours kind of propped up and like, ta-da! You know, they would take some time and some money invested. You ever been to a Catholic church, like a big one? You know, like the one down in St. Augustine? That's pretty nice. Like, it's got a great echo in it for preaching, If just saying. But you walk in those places, and you walk in there, I think Paul probably had went to that temple and looked at it. You say, well, I don't know about that. Well, I don't know, he's a, he's a, like, he's, he's a man of like passion like us. I mean, don't you go and look at different things and kind of marvel? I like and go and marvel at the architecture. And just look at things that built, you know, like Savannah. Amen. I mean, a couple of you have been there looking at some architecture. And just how it's built and the mindset and the mentality of people and how they did it. And you go into these massive churches like the one in St. Augustine or different places, been a couple of them in different places in the world. And just looking at the artwork and the time and the money spent of this magnificent, marvelous nothing. But it took... I don't know how much money it took to build that thing. And this place is going to be just like that. And this, obviously you've got these people and they make all these crafts and these, 
moronic idols to sell to people. And they go and they pray to it and they do all these different things. And so you have people losing money and that's what the riot uh, broke out about was they're losing money because their craft isn't getting sold because uh, the proper person is putting in the proper place. The Lord Jesus Christ is getting magnified and Diana's trodden underfoot. Thank God. And, and so some issues have broken out with here with that. And so where I was going with that whole spiel about the in Ephesus of this thing being so marvelous. And Paul, I'm, I'm assuming, walking through it and looking at it and looking at the riches that it took to take it. Look, at, look in the book of Ephesus real quick. Of Ephesians, excuse me. Of Ephesians. In the book of Ephesians, the word, um, the word rich, riches in Christ, are the most times written in any of Paul's epistle are written in Ephesians. And I think he has this idea of you can literally physically see what riches can do and, and how they can be used in a literal physical sense, but I'm going to put all the emphasis on the riches in glory. It's not the literal, physical, tangible, current state. It's going to have to be heavenly. It's going to be in a heavenly state. There, you don't have to look at it. You don't have to turn to it. It's uh, riches in glory. It's the riches of His grace. Verse 7 is the riches of His grace in chapter 1. In verse 18, the riches of the glory of His inheritance. In chapter 2, verse 4, it's He's rich in mercy. In 2.7, it's the riches of His grace again. In 3.8, it's the unsearchable riches of Christ. In 3.16, it's that He that would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. And Paul said, you Ephesians, you see this massive monument to Diana. That's just nothing. And it took who knows how much money. You know, there's 300 plus thousand people in this city. It's a pretty good place. And you see all what it took to build it. But I want to get your mind not on these earthly physical things. You see what physical riches are. Now let's talk about some heavenly riches. Let's put all your focus and your mind and your mentality and your strength on heavenly things. On heavenly things. And so, I, me personally, uh, I don't necessarily get that out of a book or anywhere that I read. I was just thinking that uh, Paul and him being there, uh, since those riches, it's, uh, yeah, in Romans, riches is mentioned six times out of 16 chapters. In Ephesians, his riches are mentioned six times in six chapters. And so the emphasis is placed just a little bit more, just a little bit more. Uh, it is said that Ephesus has been called the heavenly epistle, the heavenly epistle. It's also been called the Alps of the New Testament, the Alps of the New Testament. And then Paul, it says that Paul takes us from the depths of ruin to the height of redemption in Ephesus, in Ephesians. I didn't come up with any of that, but it sounded good. And you say, well, what is that? How does that apply to me? Because you have all the foundational things in the book of Galatians as you're reading through. You know, after Ephesians, right? After he, Ephesians, after he shows you how to do all these things, comes to, comes to the book about suffering in Philippians. And so it's amazing how the Lord put all this thing together in the right order. In the right order to get you grounded and rooted and then you can have a heavenly view 
and then you can talk about suffering, then you can talk about the last, the last days, the church in, the, in Laodicea and Colossians, and you can do all that thing, and it's the perfect order of it. Does that make sense? Um, or not, I could have lost my mind, but I've enjoyed myself. And look in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. In Ephesians 2, 6 is, the, is basically the theme of the book of Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians 2, 6, and it says, "...and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus." So in Christ, in heavenly places would be the theme, if you will, of Ephesians. Now I want you to get this. <clears throat> There's 155 verses in the book of Ephesians. I've got it written out in my notes, but... It's 155 verses and 3,022 words. In 155 verses, in Christ, in Christ Jesus, in the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus or in Him, shows up 27 times. So if you break the numbers down, that's about every fifth verse. There's something about being in Christ. And it's getting that thing of you're in the world, praise the Lord. You have to be of the world and you're in the world. Excuse me, I'm getting that mixed up for a second. You're, you're in the world working, but you're not of the world. Because a heavenly viewpoint will show you, regardless of the situation or the circumstances or the, the lack of an awesome boss you work with, amen, or whatever your physical infirmity could be, that you're in Christ when you're saved. Every fifth verse, give or take, uh, statistically, will show you where you're at in life. You're like, well, I'm in Jacksonville in life. Nah, well, physically, but spiritually, you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Sometimes, this is just me, I would like the Lord to just like, absent from the body almost in my mind, and just look around and see I'm in pretty good company. Not saying that I'm not in good company tonight. But you think about when you get to heaven, you'll be in great company. You'll be in great company. And I've got it all written down of all the times and the things that it's, it, it kind of corresponds and it goes with things, but it doesn't, that doesn't, it doesn't matter. If you want all that information, I'd be more than welcome to give it to you. And so as we're getting closer to the, as we're going through the introduction here, uh, last time Brother Sam got up, he went through, he was closing the book of Colossians and he went through a bunch of similarities of different people and the different verses of his introduction and his closing of how Colossians and Ephesians were similar, right? Amen. I remember it being that way. And so, and I agree with everything you said 100%, but I do want to show three differences in the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians. Three differences would be Ephesians, the emphasis on the dignity, the design, or the duty of the church. Ephesians... But Colossians has the emphasis on the deity of Christ. So one is focused on the church and one is focused on the Lord Jesus Christ literally, physically. As the Lord Jesus Christ is the head over in Colossians, right? Also another one would be uh, Ephesians considers the church's oneness with Christ whereas Colossians considers the church completeness in Christ. Now you think about that. P people get mixed up when it comes to churches and a local body and a universal body, and, and I, we won't get into it tonight, but we are a local body of believers. Amen? Amen? And thank God for every church out there that's a Bible-believing church that stands by the truth and preaches uh, salvation just simple and plain, and it's just the Lord Jesus Christ, and there's no works, 
Amen. And I just thank God for that because we're, those individual churches make up the church. Amen. Well, amen. Amen. Good luck, brother. And so, and so I love how I love how we can we can be. Everybody in here is at a different spiritual uh, state or plane or position. Uh, not necessarily in Christ, but as you're walking and on that path. You, you ever saw that movie Pilgrim's Progress, or read the book? Amen. It's whacked out. Some of it is, but it's good, right? It's just simple. I love the simplicity of it. Uh, and how he just winds and walks down. And he has to go through all these areas of temptations and trials. And, and he's, got the, he's got the shield. It's just a simple, uh, we read the book to our kids. And I just loved it. I was like, all right, we read the book. We need to watch the movie. Watch the movie. I'm like, Lord, help them not pick up on some weirdness here. Let them just, just let them see the, the simpleness of it, right? And they don't know nothing, so it's okay. Ask him. I don't know. And, and so, but thinking about that thing, thinking about it, when you're reading the, when you're reading the Bible, when you're reading the, the books that we're going through, and praise the Lord, the, uh, Brother Woodard and Brother Sam and their teaching and going through it, everybody gets something, right? It doesn't matter where you're at on the spiritual ladder, if you will, or the spiritual road walking with the Lord. Everybody can get something. There's, no, there's nothing in the Bible that's too heady or high-minded that you can't attain but there's nothing too simple that you can't get something out of. Amen. And it's like a nice piece of candy. It's like a good donut, but with protein. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's nonsense. But anyway. So the book of Ephesians can basically be, uh, it's very simple if you want to outline it. I'm not talking about, you know, verse by verse, but if there's an outline, the first three chapters are just, uh, Paul just gives them a lot of doctrine. And then 4 through 6, he shows them the practical application of how to use that doctrine and just live it. You think about what all the doctrine that you know. Man, I'm not testing your intellect, your biblical intellect. But you think about all the times that you've heard preaching or you read the Bible and all the doctrine collectively that you may know is probably more than the average person. I'm not looking for an Amen. And you think about that, but then you think about Paul, and he's going to write this letter. And the doctrine that he's going to include, and then the doctrine that he knows. And the mysteries and the revelations that he knows. And how the Lord allowed him specific things to put in there and not put in there. Amen? You think about that. Well, he wrote 13 books of pretty much every doctrine that we know as far as salvation in this age is kind of right there. In 13 books. And so, praise the Lord for somebody, a man with some discernment just trying to not only give doctrinal illustrations and doctrinal principles, but then shows you the practical way of applying them to your life. And that's what he does here. That's what he does here. So, just like Brother Sam made a comment, I want to show you something uh, in Revelation chapter 2. Brother Sam went through it and made a comment and showed how uh, Paul wrote to the seven churches and then, and then John in the book of Revelation, the beginning of it, he wrote to the seven churches as well. And Brother Sam went over some things, uh, did a good job on it, but I want to bring one thing to your remembrance. As you're turning there to Revelation chapter 2, remember how we made a comment, or I made a comment, excuse me, of what was in Ephesus. You have this massive temple of Diana, right? 
and you have these people there, and Paul is there for two years, and he's, and he's encouraging them, and he's showing them some things. Um, he's, he's, he's showing them, he is showing them doctrine. He's living it out before him. And he's telling them, and he's instructing them, and he's guiding them, and he's ministering to them, and he's showing them how to get out of that nonsense, and how to trust, and how to believe, and how to walk by faith, and how to have your eyes set on heavenly things. You with me so far? Literally, physically, he's there for a couple years doing it. Now, I think about that in Revelation chapter 2. Read with me in beginning in verse 1. It says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars of the right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how, that's, and how that canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars. Verse 3, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. Friend, that's a pretty good deal. Now you think about the, you think about the men and the women, and we saw, how, we saw how Priscilla and Aquila were with Paul when he started, and they were encouraging some people, and Apollos came along preaching, and they got a bunch of stuff situated, and they, bought, they got a lot of doctrine right, and they started having a spiritual war against this uh, temple of Diana. One of the, they, they said it's the third wonder of the world. Now, I don't know how it would be to set up a church across the street from that. <laughs> Praise the Lord, ours is across the street from the Mandarin place. Amen. Yeah. Hopefully it's not a lot of spiritual activity coming across the street. I am so being tongue-in-cheek trying to get you to lighten up a hair. It's a Wednesday, I got you tired, but you know, we're having fun in church. Well, I, I am anyway. Hope you're getting something out of it. And you think about that thing, obviously it's not across the street, but I'm being facetious. It's in the same city as this monstrosity of this built to this lady, this, this wicked individual. And so you have this, you have, man, you think about it, you have this kind of testimony of what they're doing and who they are and how they view things and their steadfastness and their faithfulness as mentioned in verse 1 of, of chapter 1 in Ephesians. And, and you think about all that they're doing for the Lord. It sounds pretty good. Amen. But then obviously you know, you know in verse 3, uh, excuse me, verse 4 of chapter 2 in Revelation, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. And the, and the indictment is you can do all those things, all those things out of duty, all those things because it's right to do. Have the right heart in doing it. Have the right heart in trying to search it out and wanting God to get the glory, but not having the right love toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Then these people were soul winners and passing out tracts and and greeting people at the back door, and there, and attending every service. And they were doing it because it was right to do. But they didn't love the Lord like they used to. You with me so far? I'm going to say this, and we're going to move on. Tonight, I don't know your spiritual state or condition. Praise the Lord. You came to church when preacher wasn't here. Amen. But you think about that. Did you, I mean, did you come just out of duty? You're like, nope. I just came because I love the Lord. 
I just love him. I just, I just want to see him get magnified and glorified. And I don't even see myself in doing all those things, but I sure do love him. Amen. If statistics are correct, most of us in here just came out of duty. And we're the Wednesday night crowd. Ephesians, look back at Ephesians if you will please. Ephesians. <clears throat> so with all the spiritual insight and those things, and, and obviously there in the book of Revelation and, and with, the, with the written about the, the church of Ephesians there, obviously we have a choice to make because everybody in here could be a little closer with the Lord, right? I mean, obviously we could, we could choose to put the old man down more so than what we do. I saw, I saw a thing, it was black and white, so it had to be more than two years ago. It was a black and white, and a guy was making a comment about a TV. And I was going through some notes the other day, and I should have spent a little bit more time in it. And the guy said that the TV cost $12,000. And this is a, black, a guy in black and white. And uh, the guy said, no, I think it cost more than $12,000. And it was sitting right there. I was like, I think I used to have one of those TVs in my house growing up. And he said, I think that TV cost about $12,000 a year. And I think, does he rent it? In my, you know, in my little mind. And uh, the guy says, how do you figure it cost me $12,000 a year? He said, because of time. And I was thinking, oh, well, that's probably lowballing. That's probably. And then anyway, all the statistics of what kids do, and I didn't even look up all the statistics of where we're at now on social media and things like that, and I'm not even trying to uh, say that, but you know, the, our main thing that we could do more with is time. Just time. Time. So the book of Ephesians, as we're trying to, as we're trying to, we have all the right doctrines down normally. We've got salvation. Amen. We've got security. And then it's, but after that, it kind of gets how much I want to apply it. Hopefully, with the book of Ephesians and uh, whatever these two gentlemen are going to be teaching through, it'll just allow me included and you just to draw a little closer to the Lord and be a little more heavenly-minded than a little bit earth, more earthly-minded than what we currently are. We can set those, our affections, on high. And we can just think about those things and meditate about that long home and go into it. And anyway, so we have the, the person who wrote it and we have the, the purpose of it. But there's a couple problems with the book. We won't get into great detail. And you say, what's well, the Bible? Yeah, it's, I don't have a problem with it. Other people have a problem with it. You, know, you think about it when Brother Woodard was going through Thessalonians and he made a comment that somebody was already messing with the book in Paul's day. In, in Paul's time, somebody was already perverting the Word of God. Not saying that somebody's messed with it here or anything, but people take stuff so out of context to make it fit, or at least uh, maybe, they, maybe the devil deceived them, and you have, uh, you have Calvinists who used verses in here to... And that's some of their main doctrines they used and show that, that they, that's why they believe Calvinism. I was sitting with a, with a group of men not too long ago, and I ask them, they're all soul winners, they all pass out tracts, and obviously, if you have some input after service, I'd be more than happy to hear it. 
And I asked the men that were sitting there, I said, anybody, has anybody in here of all the tracks and all the people that you've talked to, and has, how many people have you actually had somebody openly volunteer to tell you that they were a Calvinist? I said zero. The gentleman here said one. The gentleman over here said zero. The gentleman over here said zero. And I said, well, I, I know that we've talked to at least more than four people. But they have, they, it's almost as, I don't know if it's the, the shame of it or if it's the lack of confidence. I don't know what it is. Like, I don't have an issue of telling somebody what I believe. Amen? It's not because I'm brave or boastful or anything like that. It's just, this is just what I believe. And if you can sway me, we'll get after it. Amen? That's how I view it. You'll just tell me what you think. Amen. And if I'm wrong, well, we'll let, we'll let the Lord sort it out. And so where I was going with that is, like, Lord willing, we'll go through these verses and we'll show you some things that you, you already know. I'm sure, nothing new is going to be shown. And as we get to it, we're going to just plainly show you what the Bible says. I mean, just let the Bible prove itself right or wrong. Amen. Because it either is or isn't the final authority. And if it is, well, here it is. And if it isn't, we can probably stop talking. Or maybe the Lord can just take something and that sword of the Spirit and just pierce your heart with it. <clears throat> and then you have the other problems that people have with this specific book. Not only Calvinists, but you have hyper-dispensationalists take some things out of context and, uh, and they, rest, they rest it to their own destruction. Lord willing, we'll edify the saint of God, but we'll also go over and show where... These heresies are just plain wrong. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's the introduction to Ephesians. Anybody got any questions before we get into the verse? Praise the Lord. All right, verse 1. <clears throat> we'll read three verses. <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Him, according to the good pleasure of His will." In verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Uh, Bob Jones Sr. said, you find the will of God on the road to duty. On the road to duty. And I find it amazing, as you already know the account, Paul was on his beast and he was riding along and he had, he had the right mentality of just do what he thought was right. He had the wrong method. He had the wrong method, but he had the right mentality. And the Lord kept his method and changed his mentality. You say, what was his method? Just 100% zeal. 100% zeal, it's all in. Like, I'm not going to check it, I'm not going to hesitate, I'm not going to back up. Uh, maybe he had little man syndrome, I don't know. I don't know what it was. Uh, like Napoleon, he, I think he had that, didn't he? Probably. And in my mind he did anyway. And he never checked up. He was always 100% in. And I think about that right here in that will of God. 
Uh, how Paul, he was in the will of God. And you say, well, how was he in the will of God after that day when he got saved? Just doing the little things every day. Just trying to put the flesh down and trying to lift the Lord up. Just one day he was in a jail cell and he's like, you know what, I'm just going to do this little thing. And Hey Silas, why don't we just sing a little bit? Why don't we just sing a song? You say, well, that, that was a big thing. What was the big thing? Because we know what happened. But it was a little thing just singing a song in a jail cell. I personally thank God have not been in a jail cell singing. Yet. And I've just been, I've been in jail ministering to people and those men sing and they just, some of those guys in there just have a different countenance than people out, out on the streets. And I used, to, I used to love going in there because some of those guys were actually free. You know, the bar, they'd never get out of jail. They would never get out. But man, they were free on the inside. They were just free. And it's, it was just a little thing that Paul did sitting in his jail cell just writing to these people in Ephesus, trying to encourage them. Spent, two, spent years with them. And he's like, I know them by name over there in that place. And I know what they're doing. I know the hardship. And I know where they're struggling and they're trying. And they, they see all that stuff and the allure of the world, what it claims to offer, and that sins for a season. And I'm going to just, just write this small letter and see if I can't encourage them just to keep going, don't quit. And that little thing is what we're still talking about today. That little thing of being in the wheel and that little thing to lead a slave called Onesimus to the Lord and send him back to his master. It's just a little thing to just win somebody to the Lord, right? I mean, have you tried lately? Winning somebody to the Lord? You have no idea what that individual, who he is, who she is, what they're going to do for the Lord. It's that one little thing, that one little thing, that one little thing to grow old gradually and to constantly need the grace of God to be sufficient. And he can pin those things down of people leaving him. And one day that little thing happened of Demas walked off. And he wrote a letter and how he's, not, he's no longer here. You say, what does all that have to do? It's just every day. Just trying to do the best he can. And we know he's not perfect. He's a self-proclaimed sinner. Self-proclaimed struggles with sin. Whatever they are, thank God he didn't glorify any of that. And he's just a man that had to put on his clothes just like we do. He said, but today I just make a choice to do the best I can to just glorify the Lord. And as amazing things happened every so often in his life. Not every day. I don't know if every, amazing things happen to you every day. Do they? If you're going to say yes, I'm going to stay away from you. <laughs> Enough things happen to us already. You know, just, Amen. Praise the Lord. Speaking of that, publicly I want to thank everybody who prayed for, uh, for my son and uh, sent texts and phone calls and all that thing. And I just want to say thank you. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's okay. I'm being honest, it's okay. So those little things, Paul said, I'm just going to do what I can because I know what to do today. But I'm not going to let my duty overrule my love for the Lord. Because oftentimes that's easier said than done. Because I don't know, I'm a guy. Amen, I identify as a guy. 
Praise the Lord. I'm a, I'm a he. Amen. And it's easy sometimes to just get so focused on duty that we forget about the reason we're doing the duty. Because I just have something to do. Whatever the something is, man. Let's just go do the duty. Because that's what I do. It's the duty. <laughs> Amen. That's <laughs> so stupid. Because I as a man. There we go. Verse 1. <laughs> Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus. So, here, here in the... You, do, you have these, you have, obviously you know this, you've got some religious people, religious uh, organizations, we'll just keep it simple, who think that you have to be dead to become a saint. Right? Yeah. I'm going to read what they say. The Roman Catholic Church says, all Christians are called to be saints. They're called to be saints. And saints are persons in heaven. Well, I is in heaven, apparently. That's what the Bible says. I, amen. Saints are persons in heaven quote, officially canonized or not, who lived heroically virtuous lives, offered their life for others, or were martyred for the faith, and who are worthy of in imitation. Well, I, I don't think I'm much of a hero. Or I don't think that, um, well, I'm pretty alive, so I've not been martyred, right? And so... But who would, who would institute that? Who would, um, I guess what committee or what council, after you all passed away, would have to go through your life with a fine-tooth comb and then come to the conclusion if you were or weren't? Isn't that just kind of left open for interpretation? Praise the Lord, the Bible's right. And they're wrong. Amen. Because all these people right here were alive. <laughs> Amen. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and the faithful in Christ. Uh, the saints were not dead people, though they, weren't, no, they, though they were once dead in trespass and sin. Now, you know, obviously sometimes that I've, I've heard, I, w I was reading what the Roman Catholic people say, and I had often thought that you had to perform a miracle, right? Like I'm a walking miracle by salvation's sake, but other than that, I've not performed a miracle uh, but they said you didn't have to perform a miracle. Oh, that's not true. But the word saint, the word saint as used right here in verse 1, shows up nine times in this epistle and eight times in Romans. And so Paul is just using this designation of an individual who's, uh, who's saved, they're sanctified, they're trying to do something for the Lord, uh, whether it be called a disciple, uh, a saint, they're just someone who's dedicated, set apart, sanctified for the Lord and His use whatever that may be for. And I think about that, I think about Mary and what she, in her sainthood, sitting at Jesus' feet doing what she could. Because as a, again, as a man, I have this grandeur thing of I have to do all these fill-in-the-blanks that are great. You know, that's what, that's what a person in society would classify as greatness, Right? You know, you go either build something or do something to have this recognition, but that's not how the Lord sees greatness at all. Your greatness is just doing the little things. Just doing what you can. If you've been equipped to do some things that are great, you might want to do those things too, doing what you could. 
Uh, let's see. So I've got this. So it says the saint there. The saint means one who's been set apart. When you trusted Jesus Christ, you know, you were taken out of the world and you were set apart and you were set in Christ. Uh, a silly illustration, bear with me, a silly illustration would be a scuba diver. Anybody ever seen anything on scuba diving? You know, they wear the tanks on the back and they look like a goofball in the water, right? They have to have special equipment or they're going to drown. I mean, that's a no-brainer. They've got to wear the tank and the, the regulators and the mask and, and all the different things. Yeah, that's just like us. Like, we have special equipment since we're saved. We have the Holy Spirit. Man, thank God we've got the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got the book. We've got the brethren. Uh, we've got all these things that can equip us to be in this alien world. That we're an ambassador from another place, right? And we come down here like a, and we come down here in this alien world, and we're we're, we're plucked out from it now because we're in Christ, and we have to utilize and use those things, whether from five feet. When I was in scuba diving, when they're teaching us how to be scuba divers, they're like, you know, you can you can die in ten feet of water. I was like, well, that sounds insane. I'm pretty sure I can hold my breath for a second or two. And that, that was totally out of context what they were talking about. And so all the equipment, even for a young child, is needed in 0 to 10 foot versus 10 foot to 300 foot. It's the same equipment. A little bit more complex, a little bit more little tweaking and twisting, but isn't that how the Christian life is? It's a little bit more complex the deeper you want to go with the Lord. You know, a few, it's the same principle... It's so simple a child can did it. So simple a child can walk with the Lord. But over time, it changes just a little bit. Those simple things are still there. But it's how you use them and you utilize them. And they change a little bit just so you won't drown in this stinking world and all the temptations and the trials and the troubles that come with it. You won't drown. And it goes on, it says, I like it in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Paul gives this, this plug there, these individuals who are saints and these, these people that the, are in this church, that they're faithful. Now we read over there in Revelation chapter 2 all those positive attributes that a faithful individual would do. You recall that? A faithful individual would be here when they, when they could physically, and they, they could financially, and they, they could just get here if they could. If you can't get here, if you can't, it's okay. I love how preacher doesn't force people to church. Like you just want to love the Lord enough to be here when it's inconvenient. Amen. And verse 2 says, Grace be to you and peace from, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The saints are faithful because of the faithfulness of Jesus Christ based on His grace in His peace that they give to them so they can become saints of God. All through Paul's epistles, uh, it's always grace. It's always grace first. And I made a comment in Galatians, always grace first because it'll be the grace of God that does anything before... You can't have peace before you have the grace. I mean, you have to have salvation before you can get any type of peace from God. Right? I mean, that's just how it is. And then verse 3, Blessed be the God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Preacher just uh, ended his series. Well, I, I'm not sure if he ended it or not. He is in a series 
uh, in Ephesians talking about the whole armor of God. Right? Flip over to it real quick. And this whole armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6, verse, uh, beginning in verse 10, I would constitute that as a spiritual blessing. Because nowhere in Ephesians as you read, or Galatians, or Romans, or Philippians, or Colossians, or Philemon, or First and Second Corinthians, or First and Second Timothy, First and Second Thessalonians, does Paul ever make the comment that the Lord will bless you financially? He never makes the designation that, that your life here on this earth is going to be just some grand thing. And praise the Lord if it is. Amen? It, praise God for that. Maybe we could be friends. I'm kidding. But the spiritual blessings are much more important to the God Almighty than the physical and the financial. And I'm not trying to put pressure on anybody to do anything either way. I just want to make a point. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18, as preacher all already went over it, the whole armor of God, those spiritual things, those spiritual blessings that the Lord gives. In Galatians, we went over all the things that we get at salvation. I won't go through that thing. Dr. Ruckman preaches like 28 things. I think uh, one of y'all did like 30 things that we get at salvation. Y'all remember that? No. Anyway, it's in there somewhere. It's in here somewhere. I just want it to come out. And those things that we're physically done, the adoption and the, the home and we're setting a new family and all those things, they're just, you have no, you, you had nothing to do with it. It's just given to you. Amen? You know, it's like, it's like my son when he was born. He didn't ask for anything, but I just gave him everything he could ever want in life plus a few things he never wanted. Amen? But you think about that. That's how God is. He and you start saying, well, what are these physical blessings? Well, he gives you salvation. He gives you faith. He gives you armor to fight the devil, not only, not only defensive, but offensively, and to occupy where he wants you to be. And he gives you the tools spiritually. He gives you everything he needs. And he gives you the strength. He gives you the grace. He gives you the mercy. Bless God Almighty. He gives you the breath to even stand and do it. I'm not even talking about the breath to stand physically and do it. It's the breath to stand spiritually and just want to fight. I'm going to try to calm down for a second, but um, it's, it's amazing what the Lord gives us spiritually and we just flippantly don't care about it. I say we, me included. Preacher has preached on asking the Lord for grace and asking the Lord for mercy and going through all those series and of just week-long series of showing what the Bible says and, and their use of it and how to do it and what's the benefit of it and even what happens if you don't do it. I guess at the judgment seat of Christ, one day we'll all find out what we did with that information. And all those spiritual blessings that He gives us anytime we need it. It's like an armament or, just a, or a hospital or just a place to run to and a time of help or need. Because it's not always fighting. Amen? It's not always that it's just a battle is ensuing. Sometimes you've got to go to the hospital. You yourself. You have to go and take care of yourself. Like you have to get off the front line and just go get patched up. 
And then from after getting patched up, usually you don't go back to the front line, do you? I mean, I've not been in the military, but I don't think they send you back to the front line. You have to go rest. And you have to go get in that strong tower that the Lord gives you and just try to rest. You see, as somebody who's always active, it's difficult to rest. As a guy who wants to go do things, it's difficult to rest. The Lord, the doctor's never told you to go rest, and you're like, mm-hmm, I'll go cut the grass. Yeah, nobody in here? A bunch of women are laughing, because they're like, yeah, I know a guy. Yeah, I know a guy. But that's how it is also, just like we just need to rest not not on our lawn, not on our not our heels, just not doing anything, but just rest in Him. Not just go and kick back on the easy chair and turn on the TV. Not that kind of rest, and just zone out. But just resting in Him and talking with Him and communing with Him and trying to get this Bible to patch up our inward man who's renewed daily. And those spiritual blessings, and you read over there in Psalms where where you have a benefit, you have a daily benefit given to you. I've tried to exhaust that talking to the Lord, and I've never exhausted it. I just run out of time. Just what He gives me daily. And everybody in here is different of what He gives you and the benefits that you have. You ever go to a job and ask what benefits they have, Brother Val? I'm like, hey, what benefit package do you offer? All right? Yes, yeah, right? I don't know what size, the, it must be a pretty good size packet the Lord slides over. And then we just look at the front page and said, I'm in. But we never check it all. Never look at it. Never spend time getting to the back page. That 401k on the back page is probably pretty good. That inheritance. Amen. Yeah, you know, like we, we try to put in something and that's really Him just putting it all in. He said, I've got an inheritance for you. I'll just put it all in for you. As you just want to love me, I'll just dump it all on you. Don't worry. Now think about those things. Think about those things as we just start this book of Ephesians and try to get our mind on heavenly things and try to... uh, the realization of what the Lord has done and is doing for us and how this world just wants to suck all the joy out of you. And wants you to be so focused on being happy. Just be happy. Who cares? Ask my son if he's happy. Don't ask him. There's no telling what he'll say. I'm being kidding. He's happy. He's a good kid. But me loving him and taking care of him, my son, I'm talking about him because it's asleep, uh, doesn't... My life doesn't, isn't based on his happiness. I'm going to do what I know he needs. The Lord's going to do for me as a good father would what I need. You say, what do you need? I, some days I need correcting. And even though I cry about it, he didn't spare the rod for my crying. Because he's a good father. And some days he just gives me the strength and the grace and the ability and the opportunity. And he just gives me spiritual blessings to go try to be a help in somebody else. Amen. All right. Brother Val, you just